you to turn to Psalm 19 again. Let me ask you, how would how would you say your inner man is today? Is it in how would you rate the health of the real you, of your your inner man? <clears throat> I'll ask another question. Do you have <clears throat> would you say you have a clear understanding of what's going on in your life and in the world around you? Would you say you have a clear understanding of what's going on in your life, what God's doing in your life? And would you say you have a pretty good understanding of what's going on in the world around you? If you were to rate where you are on your joy meter, okay, zero is zero joy, ten is, whoo, man, I'm full of joy. Where would you say your joy meter is today, okay? Um, Your true sense of joy. When you're frustrated discouraged, fearful, or anxious, or confused, what do you normally do? What's your normal reaction in, in those situations? When those situations face us, which those are battles that we all face, when, when those come into our life, What's your go-to mechanism to deal with it? And it could be various and, and a wide spectrum of things that we do to deal with those things. <clears throat> Psalm 19 really is about the revelation of God. How God reveals Himself to us. And verses 1 through 6, it's the general revelation, and we're not going to spend much time on that today, but it's, it's, he said, I, I reveal myself through creation, and he mentions that, that you, you cannot honestly look at creation and honestly believe that it just happened, that there was an explosion, and and all this good came out of it. I I wish things worked that way. There'd be a lot of things I'd blow up to make them better, all right? But it doesn't work that way. But God said that He made the heavens and they declare the glory of God. And and all the earth and all of creation declares the glory of God. And so, He's revealed Himself through the world that He's created in a, in a general revelation. But then in verses 7 through 14, He says, but specifically, I have revealed Myself through My Word. And it is through the Word of God that, that He has revealed Himself in a, in a verbal, 
revelation. He has told us, direct message from Himself, by inspiration, through mankind, He has revealed to us what His nature is, what His heart is, how He is at work. And, and there again we find God revealing Himself to us through the Word of God. Now, Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness after He had fasted 40 days. And one of the temptations was, I know you have power. Why don't I know you're hungry. Why don't you make these stones into bread? And Jesus responded with the truth that is very important for us to truly get a hold of. And that's my heart's desire today is that we, we would. And the battle I'm facing today is I know it's, oh yeah, the Bible, the Bible, blah, 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 you know, and that's how it goes. But he said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what he's talking about is this. If you want to live, this is more important to you than whatever diet you're on, whatever food you grow. What, this is more important than anything else. And there have been many, many battles about the Bible. <clears throat> Satan, from the very beginning, has has sought to deceive mankind about the Bible. And, and he has attacked it in many, many different ways. In, in the recent past, he has attacked it in saying the Bible has heirs in it. And, and there was a major battle over the inerrancy of Scripture that we believe that God gave His Word and there are no mistakes in it. There's no contradictions in it. It is without error. There have been battles over the sufficiency of the Bible. There are, there are many religions that say, yeah, we believe the Bible, but for our generation, we now have another revelation. For the Western Hemisphere... We, we have another revelation, and uh, you can identify a cult by anyone that adds to the Scripture. And you will run into them, and they will not deny the Bible, but they will add to it. God's Word is sufficient. There have been battles saying, the Bible isn't relevant I mean, it was written centuries ago, and we are, uh, we are more advanced than the Bible, and we have come a long ways, and it's just not relevant for us today. And that's, you're seeing in many, many churches a battle over that to the point that they are changing Scripture and saying, this isn't relevant today. Let's change it. 
and make it relevant today. There is have been battles over the clarity of Scripture. Do we really know, is it clear what it says? And over the completeness of Scripture. There have been and still are fights over the versions of the Bible. And, and that has really become contentious in various um, circles But in understanding, I believe the greatest battle that Satan is dealing with us in our own lives is the main thing is to keep you and me from the Word of God. He'd lot rather have us argue about inerrancy and sufficiency and versions and interpretations, as long as we do not personally allow the Bible to take control of our lives and we become people of the book. Followers of Christ have throughout history been known as people of the book. That they were students of the Word and They had a hunger for the Word of God. And the way that God works in in bringing change in any of our lives is, of course, first of all, we must be born again. So we have the Spirit of God takes up residence in our life. And the Spirit of God then uses, and this is the key, He uses the Word of God in our lives. The Spirit of God is the author of the Word. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Spirit of God wrote the Word of God. So the Spirit of God will never lead contrary to the Word of God. And the Spirit of God is hindered in His work when we limit the Word of God in our life. You eliminate any one of these. You take someone that just says, I'm going to read the Bible, and, and they don't have the Spirit of God dwelling within them, the only thing that can happen as they read the Bible is they become convicted of their sin by the Spirit, and they are led to call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. But the Bible tells us the natural man, meaning one without... <clears throat> the Spirit of God, cannot receive the things of God. So, it's foolishness to him. But, you take a believer that has the Spirit of God dwelling within him, and he ignores the Word of God and neglects it, it is not going to bring about Christ-likeness. It is the Spirit of God plus the Word of God produces Christ-likeness. need to make sure I was holding it right side up, all right? Produces Christ-likeness in it. It's a simple, simple equation. You eliminate any, any one of these two, and you're going to struggle. I don't care how badly you want to be like Christ. I don't care what methods you try to use apart from these 
it's going to lead to frustration, confusion, and futility. And, and the key for most of us here today, uh, we're assuming the majority have the Spirit of God dwelling within, that, that they are a child of God, they have received Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. So the key comes down to the Word of God. And this is why. When, when I ask people, how are you doing getting in the Word? And I don't ask people that to make them feel bad. I ask them that because I know everything in our life hinges on that. And overwhelmingly, the answer when I ask that is, well, not as good as I should, or better today, Meaning, I haven't been, usually it means, I haven't been reading, but I did read today. And, and most of us struggle consistently, one, reading the Word, and then two, having it really speak to us and, and be an ongoing, living relationship. And you can see why. Satan wants to keep that out of our lives because it will produce everything Satan is against if we're in the Word. So he wants, he wants to chop the legs out from under us. And I've said over and over again, and you've heard me say it, the Christian life stands on two legs, Bible reading and prayer. And those are the two things that we struggle with the most. Do you agree? Nod your head. If you agree in your personal life, what you struggle with the most. Why? He knows those are, those are where you get plugged into the power of God. He knows that's the, that's the only thing that's going to bring Christ-likeness. That's the only thing that's going to give us the power to... To bring glory to God, which is our whole purpose for living, is to bring glory to God. So, the main battle is, is that is taking a place about the Bible, I believe, is keeping us from the Word. And I, I am much more concerned about what versions of the Bible were living much more than which version you're reading. Now, there are some corrupt versions. The most corrupt versions there are are what most of us as believers are living. We're giving a wrong version to the, to the world of what the Bible really is. And, and Paul said... You are the epistle of God. People are watching to see what is Christ-like. And they're watching our lives and we're giving a bad picture. So, Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7. He goes through and he lists six titles of the Bible. And with each title, he lists six characteristics of those titles. And then he lists six effects. In other words, 
this title has this characteristic and it produces this fruit. And we're going to quickly go through these and uh, we pray God will renew within us a greater love for His Word. So, verse 7, the law of the Lord. That's the first one. It is, it is the law of God and its characteristic that he mentions to us is that it is perfect and it, its effect is that it converts the soul or it restores the soul. Now, it has been said that this short little passage, 7 through 14, is really a summary of Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. Nearly every verse of the 176 verses makes reference to the Word of God, and it's often, as you go back and read Psalm 119, these six titles that we're going to look at in Psalm 19 are used in Psalm 119. So, you're getting a summary of Psalm 119. I would encourage you, Psalm 19 is divided up in short little, short little verses of the psalm. I'd encourage you to go in and, and as a result of, man, I want to learn to love God's Word, read a little bit of it every day. But it's the law of God, and it is perfect. It, it's the word, the Hebrew word that is used there means it is complete. It leaves nothing out. Everything you need and I need for this life and for eternity, God has given us right here. We don't need anything else. Everything we need to live victoriously in this life and to be prepared without regrets for eternity, it is right here. And it says it converts. It causes a man to, or a woman to return to the place from which sin has removed him. It, it restores us to fellowship with God. Sin has removed us from fellowship with God. We were made for fellowship with God. That's why people apart from Christ cannot have peace or joy because they're not doing what they were made for. But it restores, it it transforms the inner person, the eternal person. Every human being is an eternal being. Meaning, He gave us life and we are going to live somewhere forever. The Word of God alone can affect our inner person, the real man. It brings back the Spirit. It works in us. And when in the midst of this world, our spirit is overcome with the pressures of this world and the, the grievances of sin and all of those things, you go to the Word of God and it, 
restores our soul. It, it not only converts us, but in the midst of this life, it restores our soul. There, there are many times that, that I go to bed with weights upon my soul and, and I know God will minister to me when I get up in the morning and I try to cast my care on Him going to bed. But I, I would hate to think where I'd be if it weren't for the ministry of God's Word in my life. And, and it restores. We need to go on. I could, I could go on, but we need to go on, okay? Secondly, the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The testimony, the personal account of God is sure. It's reliable. There's no question about it. You can count on it. And the effect that it has, it makes wise the simple. The, the word that is used here, simple, is really where we get the word, uh, the, the phrase, have an open mind. An open mind isn't a good thing. A septic tank has an open mind. It just receives whatever comes into it. He says, you don't need an open mind. You need a mind that discerns right and wrong. And the Word of God is sure and it makes wise the simple. Meaning, wait a minute, that's, that's a wrong... Nope, you're not coming in here. And it gives us wisdom, not only for this life, but for eternity. Psalm 119 and verse 99 says, It is through your precepts that I have more understanding than my teachers. Do you understand? God's Word can give us more understanding than any of man's wisdom. And, and it is important for us to realize this book is reliable. I mean, we've said it. This is the only thing you can read and trust 100%. You might say, well, I, I've, got, I've got some pretty good sources that I trust. If it's written by man, it has room for air. And there's probably air in it. This is the only thing, the only thing that you can 100% trust. It is sure, and it, it gives wisdom to the simple. Then it says in the next verse, verse 8, the statutes or precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Statutes or precepts, they're, they're setting down truths that are to be believed. So God's Word sets a truth and it says, this is, this is a truth of life. It is to be believed. A law. Sowing and reaping. 
You sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. He says, but on the other hand, you sow to the Spirit, you will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. He lays down many, many precepts, many statutes. And it says they are right. The, the language that he uses here is not necessarily right and wrong. It, it carries this sense. It will put you in the right direction. It will put you on the right path. His precepts will take you and say, okay, this is a principle. And you walk in this way, you'll be on the right path. You'll, you'll understand the righteousness of God. And it's like he's saying these principles are the right medicine. You've, you've been to the doctor and they say, well, let's try this. Meaning they're still practicing medicine, right? Meaning I don't know if it'll work. God never, His solution is let's try this. He has unchanging principles. They are right. They put us on the right path. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto the right path. And it says it brings us joy. When, when you are on, when you are walking in the truth of God's Word, it produces joy in our life. Jeremiah said, Your Word was found. I found Your Word, and it was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. God has made us that our spirit resonates with truth. And when we go to the Word of God and we see the precepts, the statutes of God, and we start walking in them, man, it, it ministers genuine joy in our life. On the other hand, Proverbs 14:12 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, so it's not the way of God, not the right path, there is a way that seems right unto man, but it ends in the ways of death. Here you have it. Do you want to walk in God's ways that produce joy, or your way, or man's way that produce death? Take your pick. And remember, Satan loves death. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Christ came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Back to Psalm 19, the last part of verse 8. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The commandment of the Lord. They aren't the suggestions of God. He is creator. He is lawgiver. He is judge. He is redeemer. He is king. He doesn't give suggestions. They are commands and they are clean, clear to open our eyes so that we see ourselves and others and the world 
accurately. It, in, it, it opens our eyes. It, it's always a joy to me to, to see people exposed to truth and embrace it and, and to see, wow, and to see the application in their own lives. It's just what he said here. His commandments are clear. They're not hard to understand. It's not like it's written in some ancient code and we have to get the code and figure it out. They're clear and it enlightens our eyes. We see ourselves, others, and the world around us and God clearly. He goes on. The fear of the Lord is clean. Fear is another is another word for reverence, for awe, for worship. The Bible is a manual on worship. You can't just worship God any way you want. He said you must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And He is very particular. But He says... My word is clean. It's, it's pure of corruption and impurity and air. And he says it endures forever. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in the heavens. Forever. This is eternal. You go back and, and pick up a book from 20 years ago. And in many cases, you can see how things have already changed. God never has to come out with an updated version, Bible 2.0. It, it's forever settled. It is something we can depend on. Then, lastly, he says, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The verdicts that God gives are true and they produce good fruit, meaning they, they produce right living, they produce righteousness. You can, you can depend on them. So, let me just quickly make three applications. There is no salvation without the Word of God. Romans 10:17 Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There there is nobody that gets the spirit of God without the truth of God's word being made clear to them. That's what God's called us to do. Secondly, the best thing, the very best thing that you can do is consistently read and study the Word of God. Look at verse 10. After he lists all this, he says, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. They are sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. He's saying, these are more to be desired than anything, anything you value. You might say, 
I, I'm not a big honey lover, so more to be desired are they than honey. Well, there's something that you really love, a deep-fried Snicker bars or something like that, okay? Um, whatever it is, he says, anything, the very best you can imagine in this life, cannot compare to the Word of God. The very, very best thing you can do and I can do is, is have a heart that seeks after God through His Word, consistently seeking the Word of God, studying the Word. That's the, that's the very best thing. And we could go on and on about that. Thirdly, the best thing parents can do for their children is teach them the Word of God. The very best thing that you can do for your children is to teach them the Word of God. Notice verse 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. So, it gives us warning. The greatest protection. We live in a day-to-day that a great concern, and rightfully so, is the protection of children. It gives warnings. And the greatest protection comes from the Word of God. And the greatest rewards come from the Word of God. And in keeping of them, there is great reward. You want your child to be successful. You want them to to know the blessing of God. It's all hinged on the Word of God. Psalm 1, it says, He meditates in His Word day and night, and whatsoever He does will prosper. He'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. When a drought comes, they're still able to get nourishment for the tree because it's the Word of God. The very best thing you can do for your children is not just to educate them, not just to get them playing sports, not get them to have fun. The very, far none, the very best thing that you can do for your kids is teach them the Word of God, have them memorize the Word of God, fill them up with the Word of God. My first concern is getting the Bible into our personal lives and into our homes. If the Bible isn't in the lives of Christians abundantly, and it isn't in our homes, it's not going to matter which version you use. It's not going to matter if the Bible's in the school or not. We can complain all about that, and I believe that. But if it's not in our own lives... And Jesus said, God said, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge of my word. We went through the minor prophets. What was the main thing they kept coming? You're ignorant of my word. It's not just a no. It's getting it in our own personal lives. You want a flourishing, spiritually active life? then let the Word of God dwell in you richly. What's our memory verse? Let the Word of God dwell in you richly, overflowing. I, I love to put 
real whipped cream on stuff richly. I don't like a little dollop. I mean, bury that thing with whipped cream, you know. We're getting little dollops of the Word. He says, no, let it dwell in you richly. And, and he says, it will then minister all of these things to you. And he closes the psalm by saying, Okay, God, this is my prayer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, because of your word, be acceptable to your word. You are my strength and my redeemer. This last week, I was visiting with Brad Northway, and he, he said something to me, and I called him up then Thursday and said, Brad, I'm going to be preaching on the Word of God, and what you said to me, would you be willing to share that? So I'm going to ask him if he'd come right now and, and share this. And listen, I know... I know this is a battle for everyone. And you might say, it's not a battle for me. I read the Bible every day. Are you really getting, is it speaking to you? I pray it is, but it's not just a good luck charm that we do. It's having a personal relationship. Well, it's hard to come up here and talk after you listen to somebody that, Everything flows so easily, and I can't really explain to somebody how to walk through a door without them getting confused. But I'm going to try. Um, I guess when Pastor asked me, I started thinking about my life, and especially my, my Christian life, and I guess I could explain it kind of like a roller coaster. A lot of ups and downs. I'm either, either going up or I'm going down. And... Um, you know, it seems like over the last couple of years, the more I read, the more God teaches me things. It seems like the downs have a lot more consequences now. I guess it, I could explain it as <clears throat> my children, when they're young and they make mistakes, you know, oh, they're just learning, they're just, just little kids. And they're dumb. But as they get older, I expect more out of them. And so when they... When they make these mistakes and stuff, I'm a little, little harder on them, um, and you know that's, there's more consequences to their, to what they, what they're doing. But um, so, I'm one of them guys that's been in pastor's office a lot because of. Man, that's like it's a bad thing. Okay? <laughs> it's like the principal's office or something. <laughs> And I'm in there whining about this or that or whatever, and and I hear that I hear that question, how are how are things going with you in the Word? And I, you know, I'm one of them guys. Well, not so great. And you would think after years and years, you would think, you know, one plus one equals two. You know, read the Word, and you're not, you know, you still have battles, but you actually have ammunition. To back those up, so I, uh, you know, I I would like to say, and I think that the uphills are getting a little bit a little bit longer. Um, I'm working on maybe plateaus of consistency instead of going up and then straight back down again. Um, 
But I, it all hinges on the Word. And I, 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 you know, I've always been fairly good at praying. I feel like I'm praying all the time. But like you say, you can't get very far hopping on one leg. And um, I need, I need the Word. And I, I've written down, and I could have written down tons more things, but I, I've written down some things that I am when I am not in the Word. And uh, I know Pastor mentioned a few of these earlier, but I have no direction. I am frustrated. I am anxious. I am short-tempered. I am dependent on others to bring joy to my life. I am impatient with people, and I have no patience for tasks or work. I have no desire to share Christ with others. I want to isolate myself from others and from family. I find myself drawing away from the things in my life that strengthen my Christian walk. I am critical towards others. I am easily offended. I am self-focused. I shy away from leading my family. I snap easily at my wife and children, and I could have, I could have went on and on and on and on. But the opposite is, is true. When I am in the Word and I am climbing up them hills, I tend to eventually have a sense of direction in my life. I have way more patience. I am joyful. I tend not to be critical towards others, but instead focus on all the good in others. I am not easily offended. I am okay with things not going my way. God opens my eyes to see the needs of others. I want to be close to the body of believers. I have a desire to leave my family. I have a desire to laugh and play with my kids. I can stay better, better focused and patient with my work. I try to find ways to be thoughtful towards others' needs. I am more in tune to seeing open doors and opportunities to share Christ. And I, Pastor mentioned earlier um, in the message, uh, Matthew 4, and I was just going to read Matthew 4, 1 through 7. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to them, Him, it is written, Again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And I guess what I have, not guessed, but what I know I need in my life is to be able to say it is written and have the scripture to back that up, and I can't do that unless I'm in the Word. Amen.
Thank you. You know, what he said is a personal testimony. And some of you may be thinking, you're going to get in the car and you're going to say to your spouse, maybe you need to be getting in the Word more. No, that's the wrong thing to say. Or when they're showing impatience, say, um, maybe you need to be getting in the Word more. The reality is, this is, this is where the battle's taking place. And if Satan can get us to talk about the Word and sing about the Word, but not get it in our lives to change our life and to develop a heart that really seeks after God, we're, we're going to... You heard the, the list of the two fruits, and that it's true. It's absolutely true. It's, it's just... That was Psalm 19 in 2023 in real life. And, and that's my heart's desire is that all of us would know the joy of the Word. That we trust His Word. You know, I said many times we say, um, not as good as I ought to. Well, every one of us here today including me, every one of us can do much better in a commitment to the Word of God. And we need to. And what I'm, I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm going to ask Kathy in just a moment if she'd, she'd play that song, Trust His Word. But this is God's Word. What do you need to change in your life regarding God's Word? And I'm asking you now just to go before God and seek His forgiveness for neglecting His Word, to make a commitment, whatever it is. To some of you it may be, I'm going to read your Word every day. To some it may be, Lord, I've been reading your word every day, but it, it has turned into just a routine. It, but to make God's word a priority. Will you just go before him now as Kathy begins to pray, play? And will you just pray about God's word in your life and make a commitment to him? I pray that we really would 
have a renewed commitment to Your Word. Lord, if we as believers don't love Your Word, how can we expect the world to submit to it? And Lord, as the song says, You have made each star in heaven. You created earth and sea. You're the keeper of all knowledge what is past and what will be, yet you offer your great wisdom so we will not lose our way like a lamp it glows every step it shows that we can know your will each day. Lord, help us to trust your word. All your promises are true. And when our pathway disappears, when our joy gives way to tears, when we're plagued by doubts and fears, Lord, help us to trust Your Word. It's the only thing eternal. It's the only thing real. And I pray that not only in our own lives, but Lord, that we would pass on to our children and grandchildren, a great love for your word. It's all that matters. So, Lord, forgive us for not loving you and your word, and may we trust your word as never before. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.